If you're currently looking for a puppy with the intention of raising them to be a future therapy dog, this is the episode for you. Today on the Therapy Dogs Australia podcast, we speak with the lovely Tamara from Whiskey River Ranch about breeding and the important role puppy culture and ENS play when raising puppies. Tam's been involved in the animal world ever since she was young. Having a family so passionate and dedicated to learning and understanding animal behavior eventually led her to offering animal acupuncture, as well as a range of other services, including animal nutrition, through the Whiskey River Health Clinic. With the support of her family, a mentor, and the breeding community, Whiskey River Retrievers started with the mission of raising healthy, well-adjusted puppies. This is a jam-packed episode, so grab a cup of tea and settle yourself in. Welcome, everyone, to another episode with Therapy Dogs Australia, the podcast. Today, we've got Tamara from Whiskey River, is it Whiskey River Ranch? Yeah, that's our overarching business, yeah, Whiskey River Ranch. Whiskey River Ranch. And we've got Sam from Therapy Dogs Australia. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, well, afternoon while we're recording this. Yes, good afternoon. Um, It's going to be a good one because we're going to be chatting about uh, puppy culture and ENS, early neurological stimulation in puppies. Um, And so how about we start with... Tamara, just giving us a little bit of um, an intro. Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. This is really exciting to be able to get to talk about something that I'm so passionate about. Um, Basically, my background is I grew up in South Africa, if you can't hear the accent. I picked it up. I'll I'll try and really really hammer it in there. (laughs) Um, So I grew up in South Africa with a dad who's just insanely animal focused just absolutely loves them um so he took us quite often to the Kruger National Park which is just beautiful I mean if you haven't heard of it but it's basically one of the biggest national parks in South Africa um and so I mean that was like our weekends almost all the time so we just grew up being able to appreciate animals in their absolute natural habitat, their behaviours. We would just sit for hours and hours and hours and watch animals. So, Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we're really lucky to have that experience. And, in fact, we still go back just for that. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah we moved over as cool. a family. And, yeah, we just we kept going. But we're actually going next September just to spend two weeks in the bush with animals. So that was sort of my upbringing. Um, when I moved over here, I studied education. So I'm actually qualified as a primary school teacher. Um, I worked as a primary school teacher in prep and grade two for a couple of years. Um, but ultimately that love of animals just kept getting me. So um, I loved being a teacher, but in the meantime, I was riding horses um, Obviously, we got our first little Labrador, Nashi, who we're still super lucky to have. Um, and I started studying animal acupuncture, which is a bit of a segue. Very like cool. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so while I was teaching, I was doing weekends treating people's horses and their dogs. And then that business just sort of blew up for me. And I ended up leaving teaching and going full time into animal nutrition, massage. I've studied um craniosacral therapy uh, and then ended up traveling all over um, Queensland and Northern Rivers treating animals. Wow. Um, and, yeah. and then when COVID hit, we moved 
the whole business to our farm, which is essentially where breeding started for me. So um, I've opened up a little clinic where we mostly treat uh, dogs. That's sort of become more of the focus of, of Whiskey River Animal Health, it's called. Um, and then we take a couple of horses here still, but ultimately we've just moved straight into doing dogs. So um, from there, we've kind of gone into the breeding side of it in the last three years. Uh, we managed to, or we actually adopted our old golden retriever a couple of years back. She's 11 now. And Aww. she was the result of bad, not, not bad breeding. She was well bred. She just got put in a bad situation. Um, and she's sort of the result of a dog that hasn't been well socialized, um, didn't really get much exposure as a puppy, which is pretty much what we're talking about today. So she uh, is the reason that I went, right, there's got to be a better way to do this. There needs to you know, be something we can do that we incorporate animal health, plus the breeding, and then all of my knowledge of education and teaching children. So um, definitely got a little background there into why we started breeding. This is, that's why it's become such a big passion for me. But yeah, that's, you know, the short of it. I could go on for ages. But Yeah, no, that's, so that's I sort great. Of, I knew, sorry, Max, I knew part of that, but I didn't know all of that. So um, do you want to let everyone know, how did you come across us? Like what, how have we been in touch? What's the go here? How have we found you? So only really recently, one of my puppies, um, that we've just sold is going to hopefully go through your program in a couple of months. Um, and that family has introduced me to Therapy Dogs Australia. So um, they were really great in the sense that they did some courses, I think, with you guys first um, before yep. even getting a puppy. So they knew exactly what they needed from me um, and communicated that really nicely. So um, that's essentially just put me in contact because we wanted to make sure that the program we do with our dogs matched what you guys need. Mm. So, How cool is that? Yeah, it's only recently. That's go. right. These guys reached out via email and were like, hey, you know, we do this kind of breeding and stuff. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so how about you come and have a chat with us because we need to talk about this stuff. As you mentioned, so we do run courses that address um, you know, puppy selection and, you know, that sort of stuff and getting people prepared for this sort of process before they even embark on their journey. But we don't really cover it in heaps of depth. We just sort of let people know, like, you need to do this amount of research and this is kind of what we're looking for and that sort of thing. So that's what we want to talk to you today about, you know, so what are you guys doing on your end? So you've got them obviously, um, you know, preconception throughout conception, whelping and until they go home so we want to know all about that which is exciting it's an exciting chat for me yeah it's very good it's I hadn't really heard about puppy culture or ENS before I started working with Therapy Dogs Australia either so I feel like this is going to be very enlightening for a lot of people um, and the more people that can understand what goes into, you know, raising a puppy in those eight weeks or so, the better um, for everyone, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll know sort of questions to ask. Yeah. So, Tam, do you want to cover the basics of what puppy culture is for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, basically, puppy culture is a program that's developed by a lady called Jane, Jane Linguist. 
really hard to say that, Jane Lindquist. When you yeah, get you did well. That, that is a bit um, of a tongue, tongue twister. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I didn't realise until I said it. Um, so she is a breeder. She shows dogs. She's pretty much done everything you could possibly do with a dog. Um, she has bull terriers and obviously quite a difficult breed to get into things like agility and all that sort of stuff. So um, her program basically... I mean, I, I want to say it's designed for breeders, but it's also she's got aspects of it that are great for new puppy families as well. Um, so she's taken a whole lot of different concepts um, and put together a whole lot of research that, you know, most breeders have actually read and gone through but have all found it quite difficult to put together themselves into something that's user-friendly. So her program goes week by week of every developmental phase of the puppy. Um, but her overarching sort of idea behind puppy culture is that it teaches breeders to recognize behavioral changes in the puppies and then know what you need to do at those behavioral intervals of, of their you know of their growth and development so rather than saying you absolutely have to do something at three weeks old every puppy must be exposed to this at three weeks old instead she's teaching you when the puppies do this their eyes are open or um, they're responding to something or they have a startle reflex, then we start to add in all these different behavioral um, challenges and, you know, different experiences for them. So um, it's basically teaching breeders how to socialize puppies. Um, and then within that program of Jane's is ENS, which is early neurological stimulation. And that happens at day three to 16 um, of the puppy's life. So this is pretty much like their most important neurological growth period is probably the best way to explain it. So they just having, they have zero hearing, they, their eyes are closed and normally in a puppy's behavior or, or life period at this point, they're not experiencing anything other than drinking off their mother, being licked, just interaction with, with their dam or their um, mother. So what we're doing is we're taking the puppies. What age was that, sorry, Tamara? Sorry? What was that? What age was that, sorry? Days 3 to 16. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically what we do is we take the puppy um, and we handle it daily, which is what most breeders do anyway. Um, but there's uh, there's a process for how you do it. So ENS is a program that's that was originally designed, well not really designed, but sort of researched extensively by the US military. So they were oh, trying to find a program. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so they were trying to find... For their working dogs? For their... Yes, they were Alsatians that they were using. Um, they were trying to sort of work out whether they could influence behaviour um, later in life by stimulating puppies at certain, you know, develop, developmental periods. So um, what they did find was that stimulating these puppies, their nervous system and their cardiovascular system would produce gains later in life. So these puppies would respond better to stresses. So not to panic anyone, but basically what you're doing when you're doing ENS is you're stressing a neonate only the tiniest little bit to get them yeah. to respond in a certain way. And then that's just sort of packed away for later when the puppies are, you know, experiencing different things in their home when they're adult dogs and something happens it's just a way to start stimulating a neurological system that's really naive at that point the puppy doesn't have to do anything other than drink it can't even toilet on its own you know their digestive system is completely um, 
irrelevant without their mother. Their mother has to lick them to get them to go to the toilet. Otherwise, they can't. Mm. So what we try to do is just is, is speed it up a little bit for them um, and strengthen so, Tamara, it. Tamara, can I just check with you? Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting it's you. Okay. I just really I'm, want to double check. So was it the vascular system and something else? Yeah, what, so it's your cardiovascular it? system and neurological system. Yep. Are the two main ones that you're looking at. Which obviously Amazing. then influences your digestive. So, yeah, so for anyone that's not aware of that, that's your heart and your blood pumping and stuff like that mm-hmm. and your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. The system, yeah. And they found outcomes from those military pups. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a controversial topic actually, but um, they have, there's been research, enough research to say that it is beneficial to do in puppies obviously you can overdo it and is that what's the, controversial is the argument about and whether to do it or not stress. with specific breeds and mm. you know like there's there's a lot of discussion around it but at the end of the day what they're basically saying is just um you know choose your puppies like we're obviously not going to go and do this with puppies that are stressed or are, you know really low birth weights you know, you're not going to put any more stress onto these puppies. You're basically trying to keep them alive at that point. Um, but puppies that are really robust, they're drinking well, they're putting on weight, you're going to be doing something like this to try to get them um, to, yeah, to improve. So there's the benefits later in life basically is that they found that puppies mature quicker. Um, so they have a stronger heart rate and a, a slower heartbeat. So basically that their, their heart pumps in a way that, you know, when they've compared them to litter mates that haven't um, and then they expose them to stress, their stress levels are a lot lower and they do that by checking mm. their heart rates. Um, so, so like they've built a resilience up. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, so you're yeah. just conditioning them to, to you know, different things. So um, basically, I mean, I can run you through the exercises. If you yes, want. please. If you all want to yeah. Know. I have a little makeshift puppy here for you oh that's great but if you're <laughs> if you're a breeder and you want to do ens do the program but these are some examples yeah so there's so ens is pretty structured um there's five exercises that you have to do with your puppy so we do it with every puppy in the litter and we do it one by one um and it's basically a couple of seconds of each exercise so here's my puppy so your first one is basically called tactical stimulation. So, it, I mean, they do say use a Q-tip, but I like to use, I think my acupuncture background, I like to use things that are a little bit sharp, so the end of a pen. And you're basically just touching the puppy in the, between their toes. So about five mm. seconds or so of doing that. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's your first exercise. So that's just stimulating the nervous system to pick up a response to a, a, a stimulation or a feeling. It doesn't need to respond in now, any way. Now, would that be because the brain? Sorry, Tam. Yeah, is that ahead. because the brain is sending the signal right down to the to their paw? Yes, absolutely. So it's just basically it's getting the brain just okay. to go. Oh, that something's happening to me. I need to do something about that. We have mm-hmm. a foot. We have a foot. Yeah. We just have feet. Teaching right. them where things yeah. are. Okay. Yeah. Because remember, puppies would never it's be like touched. It's a proprioceptive thing. Yeah, absolutely. It is. That's hundred percent what it is. Um, so once we've done that for three to five seconds, we're going to hold the puppy upwards. So like that. So then basically what's happening is blood's draining from the head and the heart's going, well, well, that shouldn't be happening. And it'll start to pump blood back up to the brain. So you're teaching the heart to work in a way that it wouldn't normally work in. 
um, then directly from yeah, there. So, so that's simple, so smart. So simple. <laughs> um, so from that position we go. Should people do this to their human babies? Or I, mean, hey, <laughs> I might take I tips. I want to be the one to yeah, say it, but maybe. <laughs> no, uh, there has been studies done and in chimpanzees and, it, and they found benefits for people for doing this too, so. There you go. But don't that quote That doesn't me. surprise me. Okay, I don't want to get in trouble. Yet. But this is not a human, this is not a human not baby's me. information but none of us have questions on that. But please do your own research. We need a disclaimer to a here. Before you oh, geez, don't hold your babies upside Sticking down. your babies with pens. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's about to get worse. Okay, stick oh, to puppies. God. Okay, back to puppies. All right, back, puppy to puppies. So we're, back to puppies. We're I was just up. wondering. All right, don't do this with your kid. Let's head down for five seconds. (laughs) So we're obviously getting the heart to do the opposite here. So it's pumping, it was pumping blood up away from the brain. Now, you know, it's pumping blood, oh, sorry, other way around. It was pumping blood to the brain when puppy's Mm -hmm. in that position. Now we're pumping blood away from the brain. So the heart's putting put under a little bit of pressure here to do something it would never normally do at this age. And then from that, we're going to go on their backs. So puppy lies on their back in your hand for five seconds. Um, and that's usually the one where they squirm and they don't like this very much at all. Um, mm. And that's fine. It doesn't mean anything. It's just the way the puppy's responding and there's nothing you try to do actively to fix it. You just let them deal with it. Um, if they were like in the litter and they were on their back like a turtle, <clears throat> is that, I think I've seen like, bitches like nose them back over before like a turtle yeah they will depending is that what they do i mean depending how good the mother is well they just let <laughs> them, them figure don't it care. out yeah some of them let them figure it out um if they're trying to feed and they're yeah. on their back that usually happens and then they'll flip them over to help them nudge them towards them over. um little peeps um okay so your last exercise uh you take a is that a, are you holding a yeah, i was trying to figure that out too <laughs> i feel like <laughs> I feel like it's maybe a hedgehog. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Tamara's a bit blurry. So she's like, here's my puppy. And I was like, oh, she's holding a dog. The whole time she's talking, I'm like, I'm not sure. She's actually got a a blue hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have a real puppy here, but I don't think she'll she'll take too kindly to to being flipped upside down. I wonder if Tamara is just actually breeding pigs. I am. Blue ones. She's just not sure. No, I just had a big weekend, guys. In Australia, we call those hedgehogs tomorrow. They're not not puppies. Well, then I'm a pro, man, because I'm getting these hedgehogs to do some cool stuff. Therapy Hedgehogs Australia coming soon. Yeah. Oh, God. Just because it's blurry. I was like, you're like, oh, they're. Wow. I think it's got a long face. That was face exactly at the back of my mind too. <laughs> oh, hilarious. So funny. Excellent. Okay. I'm listening. Oh, all right. We've held, Last the, one. we've held the baby upside down. All right. We've held, yep, we've held the puppy upside down. Um, <laughs> the next one that you're doing is you're getting a washcloth and you're putting it in the freezer, a wet washcloth, um, for about five minutes. And then you bring it out and you put the puppy on it, on its belly or the hedgehog on it. And <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> You leave the puppy to move off it if they want. They're not being held on it. But basically, we're just we're just getting it to react to a drop in temperature. So okay. that's your thermal stimulation. And those are your five exercises. That wow. is 
so mm. interesting. The thermal regulation one, is that like, okay, so I'm, I'm feeling temperature change or is it like I'm becoming accustomed to, you know, like I'm feeling temperature change and I need to get out of here or I'm just becoming accustomed to different temperatures. More becoming accustomed. So puppies at this age don't regulate their own body temperatures at all. So um, they have to huddle with their mom and their um, litter mates and then we have to keep the whelping area quite warm. So we're in there sweating our asses off so that our puppies can, um, can help, you know, to regulate their temperature. So what we're doing is trying to speed up that process in a sense, but we're also getting them just to feel something different, just for their body to go, wow, that's cold, because they wouldn't ever get that. Mm, that's so, something a bit different. So, yeah, and that's all that ENS is. It's just, it's just exposing the puppies to different things. It doesn't matter how they respond to it. What matters is just that they get that exposure because they wouldn't otherwise. That's so cool. And then that's, that's what helps so develop this is, a healthy um, neurological cardiovascular system. This is making a lot of sense, Tamara, in what you're saying about uh, they become more mature because you can see that, you know, like, in terms of developmental milestones, you're kind of bringing those forward a little bit in a really soft and gentle way. Absolutely. Just so that the puppy is experiencing like, well, this is where you're headed, darling. You're mm. going to have feet. You're going to yeah. feel them and you're going to feel temperatures and you're going to, yeah. your blood's going to move around your body and all mm. these things are going to happen. It makes sense that by the time then they start walking and things like that, and you know, bumping into things and experiencing the world, makes sense that they're more ready for it because they've had that soft graded exposure to it so early on and they're just I mean it's like kids at certain developmental phases like they're just so susceptible at this period their their nervous system just takes us on board really well at that point in time that's why you don't do ENS outside of those days it's very specific and we do oh, it every okay. day so the three to day 16 days is the only time you yeah. do it Oh, yeah, because this see. is this is the point this where you actually where you actually have an like a window of time to influence the nervous system, and that the nervous system will re react and respond to these things in a positive way, which then gives us the gains later on in life. So, what happens at seventeen then? What's the change there? It just well, they means enter into more of a transitional phase. Of that so, yeah, what's okay. happening is their eyes are opening, their ears are opening. And so the nervous system has now got all this other stuff to take on board. But up to this point... Yeah, so you wouldn't have... want to also, I suppose, add, add that when they, they're going through those natural changes at that point. Exactly. Hmm. And then the nervous system changes because it's, you know, it's sort of in this state at, at days 3 to 16 where it's, um, you know, the puppy's just trying to eat and stay alive. That's it. And then from, you know, day 16, it's like, wow, now we're experiencing the world and our eyes are open. We're starting to pull ourselves along and crawl better and... And there's just a lot more happening that the brain and everything has to account for and do at that point. So we're trying to take advantage of this little period of time where the brain doesn't have much else to do except, you know, do our little exercise. And that's, that's the ENS <laughs> window. That's, that's the that's ENS, ENS window. Yeah. And, and then puppy I mean, culture is obviously a bigger umbrella. Yeah, so she, yeah. Uh, yeah, she runs ENS within her program. But if you do listen to some of there's awesome podcasts with Jane in them as well. But um, I mean, ENS isn't isn't the be all and end all of everything at all. Like there's most breeders are handling their puppies anyway. And, you know, if you've got sick puppies that you're tube feeding, like you're giving them the nervous system enough to deal with. And so you wouldn't be doing ENS then. 
Um, if you're already, you know, if you've already got a mother that doesn't do a lot and you're having to do a lot, you know, that's good enough. Like it's just basically yeah. waking these puppies up at this point in time. So you can overdo it, which I think is the biggest thing, and that's where a lot of controversy comes in because okay. you don't want to overdo it and then end up with puppies okay. that don't respond well to stress later in life. So that would be like a flooding approach mm-hmm. yeah. if we were to overdo it and, and like to do it with overwhelm the, wrong the nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, okay. Yeah. So you want to – and this is, again, where okay. the puppy culture program is better – in that sense, because it's teaching breeders what to look for and to go, okay, these puppies are not ENS puppies. We don't, we're just going to handle them and we're just not going to put any more stress on them. We're just going to do a more gentle approach even than ENS, even though ENS is pretty gentle. So anyone that's listening and watching that's like, oh, I'm just going to copy this hedgehog situation yeah, on don't. my puppies, don't do <laughs> that. Yeah, don't do that. You need some training. Professional, you yeah. do your research. Mm. Yeah. If you're spinning your puppies around, don't be doing any of that. The other thing I noticed that you said as well about this approach is that it's based off, so instead of that chronological age thing of like two weeks, three weeks, it's like sounds like it's more of a developmental markers, so more of a developmental age for the puppies. Is that right? Exactly like children. Like you can't say every seven-year-old yeah. is exactly the same. You know, they're not. And it's yeah. a lot A lot of um, I found with teaching a lot of what happened um, before they came to school impacted on how they, how they dealt with things at school. And Big it's no time. different. It's no different with puppies. It's some, you know, some puppies are ready for it, others are not ready, and you've got to know – you know, I mean, I had three puppies with their eyes and ears open and a week later the rest of the litter went. You know, I can't do the same things with the rest of the litter that I was doing with those three puppies. You you know, I mean, that's a really obvious example. But, you know, we look at things like fear responses or, you know, you might have a puppy that goes through the fear phase way earlier than another one, you know, and, and that's the puppy you can't be putting other stresses and, you know, other things onto them at that phase. So... Yeah, I mean, if, if you're into, I mean, a lot of breeders already know a lot of this stuff, but um, if you're brand new to it, puppy culture just walks you through it, just holds your hand through the whole process. It's great. I was just going to say, breeding is sounding very difficult. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's very day by day up. as well. Very difficult. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're giving up a, a lot of your life if you're doing it right. So, I mean, we spend the first two weeks in the whelping box with the puppies and their mother, like... 24 hours a day like I sleep next to them you know <laughs> like, no wonder you say yeah. you're sweating like because you, you're yeah. in there in the hot box we are <laughs> trying to keep them warm and you've got to be there so yeah there's there's a lot that goes into the whole process it's just um it's just finding ways to do it that you know like you're sticking with good research and you've got to keep yourself updated mm-hmm. you know like there's just so much out there puppy mm-hmm. culture is great but it's such a tiny part of of growing really well socialized dogs I mean so basically we start with ENS and then we move into um, their critical socialization period so that's three weeks to 12 weeks and then some of the research even says up to 16 weeks so um, you know then this this becomes like a massive part of these puppies lives like what you're exposing them to in that time is so important you know like yeah I mean we go through a whole program here okay so is that where we're going to is that what we're going into next? Is that uh, so? That's after the ENS. We get to seventeen days. What's next? What's that the what next step? Next? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. So is then, this the critical socialization period. Yeah. So three weeks 
to 12 weeks. And again, three weeks, like could be two and a half, depending on your litter. There's no exact, that's just like a, basically okay. that's where we think we're at. This is your so, developmental yeah. age. Yeah. yeah. So we don't really get okay. stuck on numbers except for the ENS, you know, for those days, because that's, you know. That's bloody great advice. Cause I've never heard anybody say that about dogs. I haven't heard that either. So, mm. That is making me happy. Um, yeah. So, so what's, what are the, what is that next step? Um, okay, so then we go into oh, – it's so – there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, so we basically Good. go into <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay, we go into basically like a communication phase. So we start teaching the puppies to communicate with us because that – I'm sure with therapy dogs – I mean, I obviously haven't had a lot to do with therapy dogs specifically, but I've had a lot to do with dogs of all different, you know, different jobs and – just the family pet to the agility dog to, you know, high performance working dogs. So I just think there's a blanket rule here that all these dogs need the same thing. Like you want your puppies to be balanced dogs. Mm. You know, you want them to respond well to situations. You want to set these puppies up to leave you and have the best possible life that they can have. You know, you want to you want to give them every little tool in their tool regardless yeah. of yeah, regardless the of who they're gonna go and part? what they're gonna do. Yeah, and that's mm. like you know. My understanding is that. Sorry, Tam. My understanding is that dogs of all disciplines, so whether they're military dogs, you know, therapy dogs, assistance dogs, pet dogs, sporting dogs, hurt. Like my understanding is that dogs of all disciplines, we can raise them the same way in this sort of eight week period that you guys have them because you're setting them up as a foundation for whatever their life is going to be. Like it's going to make them, there's no real job for a dog where we don't want a well appropriately socialized puppy. That's my understanding. Is that kind of what we're, what you guys. That's why we do this. Like, because we don't want to see dogs Mm. end up in pounds and in situations where they're biting kids and, you know, because as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, then I've let them down as a breeder. You know, if I haven't done all these things that this puppy needs to have to that point. And then, like, to follow on with it is to educate your puppy families. Like, we're really hardcore about the way we educate people who want one of our dogs. You know, like, we get our trainer here. They do a full day with him. Um you know, and then we've got support groups on Facebook for them. And, like, we speak to them all the time. Like, there's... We, we've set them up so well by the time that puppy goes home, you know, that they understand the huge responsibility it is to have a dog, whether it's going to be your therapy dog or not, you know, like yep. you're the person that's got to set that dog up so it doesn't end up in those situations. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's just good breeding and that's what, that's what breeders need to be doing. Like it's not about making money and it's not about, you know, you get these backyard setups that are just pumping puppies out and these puppies are sitting in yards. They're not exposed to anything. They're, you know, it's sad. Like, and then that's, that's where we it get is. these dogs. It's heartbreaking. And I see them in my clinic, you know, like they come back to me and I think, wow, these, these families didn't know what to ask. They didn't know that these dogs need to be health tested. You know, that you can do temperament tests. You can expose them to mm. so much. They just don't know. So there's a lot, there's a lot, there's, you set these dogs up yourself as a breeder, but then you've also got to educate the people that are taking them home. Tamara, what about breeders that let the families choose a puppy out of the litter? Is that common practice or is that a bit of a thing where like as a breeder, you're actually 
Like, how does a family know what puppy to choose? Yeah, so they don't. I, cho- um, I chose the puppy that looked at me. Yeah. Uh, because she looked straight into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do that. They do that. They, they so, do do that. But they also right? all do that, you know. <laughs> it just happens to be that was the oh, puppy oh. that was more energetic on the day. <laughs> That's how I chose my damn Brumby as well, damn it. I'm like, all right, Brumby, just look at me. Yeah, just come home. Give me any kind of eye contact, you can come home. And I was like, she's looking at me and she's licking and chewing. So she's coming to live with me for the rest of her life. I mean, that's that's a good idea. The puppy did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, she's just looking at me and then she sat down while she was looking at me. So I was like, If that's not a sign. That's then. That's how you choose your puppy. Is that how much scientific evidence would be behind that method? Is that zero? <laughs> I mean, I chose my Labrador like that, but, and he is the best dog I've ever had. But you know, you know I think it's an important yeah, point. Legend. Though. So is Winter the Brumby. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I I can't pretend like I haven't done that multiple times. I have. We've and, all done. I that. mean, I'm a bit <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot to be said for an emotional connection between a dog and its owner and I definitely, I mean, we choose puppies for our families um, but we definitely take that into account, you know, like we definitely know when there's this, you know, connection and it's usually it's usually correct. I mean, the, the puppies that need the extra loving or a bit sensitive definitely respond better to people who are calmer and, and quieter and doing those things. Like you, you do mm. see... You know, I mean, we had the perfect example for this therapy dog that's coming, hopefully coming to you guys. Um, So the family came down with their kids and one of my puppies who I knew was the most sensitive, he was my smallest boy. And so he was a bit behind developmentally on the puppy day, um, the puppy family day. So it was quite an overwhelming thing for him compared to the others. And that family, because of the work they had done with you guys, recognized it straight away and called me over and said hey I don't think this puppy's coping in this situation our kids are maybe I mean their kids are divine like they're just the most beautifully behaved children but she's like I just think this is too much the kid's energy like this puppy just seems really uncomfortable he wasn't openly freaking out or anything but Mm -hmm. they could just pick it and then the dog that they chose who was the one I had in mind for them was like all over these kids and playing with them and like rolls on his back and and they were just like wow this is like we don't want to say this is our dog but this is our dog you know and 100% he was the one that temperament tested up perfectly for therapy work so uh, it does matter and that the dogs do feel it and it is an important part of picking and I think breeders need to watch how their puppies interact with people I think that's really important but it's definitely not. I'm so proud of them for taking on all that information and oh, they've been amazing. that and then talking to you about deal. it. It's a big deal. Yeah, so it's cool. a life decision. And that's, that's amazing. what you need to do. You know, you got to, if, if you're going to put your dog, I mean, we've just said before, like, it doesn't matter what they do. Every dog should grow up this way. But you do need to tell your breeder that. You do need to say, look, hey, I'm thinking of therapy work mm. or, hey, I'm thinking yes. of this because Please you need to work with that. them. You're going to work with them a lot more, you know. So there was a lot of extra yep. stuff that we and, and there's yeah so yeah 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 and there's like heaps of variation in the litter isn't there tomorrow across <sighs> like the temperaments of the puppies yeah, so completely you know I know it's hard and it's 
we're all in love with puppies and it's really tricky. You got heart set on a litter and mm. that sort of thing. But ultimately, if the right dog's not in that litter, you really should wait for the next You litter. can't make an emotional decision, especially when you're mm. trying to get a dog for a purpose like that. Because if you pick the dog that's not going to cope, it's yeah. not fair to the dog, but it's not fair, you know, to you either. And like, it won't yeah. work. So and it won't work. It no. won't work. Unless no. you're willing. You can do all the ENS you like. we get teams that are like, listen, exactly that's exactly right though but it's you know there's that variation in brains and genetics and things like that but if if a team if they're willing to you know say some teams contact us and they're like look we might not be right but we're willing to do the training and find out and if we're not if it's not right then it's not right but that's fine we just want to train our dog anyway and find out more about it and all that sort of stuff and i love those teams because i think that's the best attitude to have to come into this and go look, we're just going to, you know, we've set ourselves up as much as we can and we're going to see how far we get. When the teams have um, purchased a dog, you know, they've gone out and found a breeder and found a puppy or whatever, however they've come across a dog, but they've purchased the dog with the intention of it having a therapy dog career. Lord help me with the amount of pressure that's on that scenario because they're paying, you know, up, from anywhere between two to $10,000 for a puppy, depending on what breed they've gone for. Then they are training the dog as it's a puppy, putting all this time into it. Dogs are expensive, like all their vet care and all that sort of stuff, all their feed, all that sort of stuff. Then they get them, you know, come to the train, do the courses, do the assessments. By the time they're finished, some of them have got between a ten to $15,000 dog that we then fail on a temperament mm-hmm. assessment. $150 temperament <laughs> assessment and go, mate, like you're not taking this dog to a school. That ain't yeah. happening. And, you know, like it is just foresee guys the end of that journey. Like my dogs that I have now, you know, I protect them. My dogs wear GPS collars. I live on a 10 acre farm. I supervise them while they're out and about, out in the, you know, playing in the horse paddocks and stuff. But just in case, they're wearing GPS collars, mate. So I ain't losing no damn dogs because it cost me a fortune to replace them. First of all, I love them, obviously, with my whole <laughs> That's life. That's a given. To yeah. re- we're just talking about the financial side of it. Like yeah. it cost it's me a, a fortune commitment. to replace these dogs. It's a huge – and time. So you also the have training. to get a puppy to 12 mm-hmm. months. They have to be 12 months old at a minimum before you can be working with them. And you've got to, like, put aside all the time. Like I was looking at – um Nala, my youngest lab, she's three at the moment. And um, I was looking at her today, just playing in the pool with the kids and stuff like that. And I was thinking, someone said, someone said something to me about how like, oh, the kids, you know, dogs are out with kids or whatever. And I was like, oh, they just, everything's just so good right now. Like she's three, my other dog's seven and my other dog's 11. I was thinking, you know, I'm not ready for another puppy you know like it's, it's big. so much it's work big. it's a huge man yeah. like when i get a puppy mm-hmm. i put i put 12 months into a puppy when i get them and i haven't had to do that for two years mm-hmm. and i'm loving life yeah. like i'm just chilling yeah. man like yeah the hard work's done but the end of the road like if you can foresee and i know it's hard for people that aren't experienced but if you can try and do some forethought or like Tamara saying these um, client, this mutual client that we have that has come along to our workshops and spoken to us beforehand to really get that understanding of you're making a massive investment when you find a puppy and you're destined. I really want this to be a school dog, or I really want this dog to work with me in my private practice. So I really, really like if you're if you are hell bent and heart set on it, 
please take it. Do not make an emotional decision on a puppy. Don't do it. It's going to cost you all the time and money in the world. If you're like, look, I'm going to give it a crack. I want a puppy anyway. If it ends up being just a pet and it's being just a pet, babe, yeah. follow your heart. Like different, you know what I mean? Like there's two, there's different journeys for different people. And if that's a part of your journey is going, look, if I could take it in, you know, do animal assisted therapy with it, that'd be fantastic. But if I can't, then it's just my soul dog for the rest of my life. It's life. And I love it. And follow your heart, make mm. that emotional decision. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're committing, if you're not going on that journey, mate, don't take be the emotional extra time. about it. Yeah. <laughs> take the extra time. It's a hard what's, thing. what's another few I'm months? Yeah, exactly. If, if so, you're making the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you I mean, you got to know what you're getting, like, because it's not even just that it's health issues as well. You know, like, you don't want to be buying a dog mm-hmm. just anyway because, hey, that one was two grand cheaper and whatever, but I can guarantee you, you're going to have problems, mm. you know, like because the amount of extensive mm-hmm. health testing that we're expected to do being an ANKC breeder, like, and just being just being ethical, like we don't want to breed problems, you know. So it's worth mm. it's worth doing your homework. Yeah, you love them. Yeah, like definitely doing your homework on, you know, what your breeders are doing. Like are they doing all the right testing for the breed type that you've picked? You can find that out on any of like the club websites, you know, like if you're looking at a golden retriever, go to the golden retriever club and they have a whole list of things you should ask your breeder, you know, like and what diseases are really prevalent in that. the breed. Have they been tested? Have they been DNA'd? Have their hips and elbows been done? Um, you know, how are your dogs, how is, how's the breeder feeding them? Like, cause that's a huge part. Nutrition is a massive part of how you grow mm. your dogs and, um, their development in that as well. So what do you feed your dog? <laughs> oh, I get in trouble here. <laughs> uh, my dogs are all fed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <Woo>. So we, <laughs> we raw feed, um, the, I mean, I have six dogs. They cost me an absolute bomb, but they are the mm. absolute world. Worth so, it. Yeah. Dougie's so, coat is amazing yeah. as well. He it was quite dry and yeah. flaky and he's having skin things. And mm. since he's been on raw, he's much better. It's awesome. Mm. It's so it's good. Beaters. Even like just for whelping, I just have no problems. Like, I mean, you get problems and there's things that happen that are totally outside of um, what you can control. But in general, like our dogs are fit, healthy. We have, you know, they're free whelp easy. Our puppies grow well. They yeah. grow slowly, which... Sometimes isn't desirable in the show yes. ring, but you know, me and the uh, we mm-hmm. have a really good um, neurosurgeon and a specialist that does all of our testing on our dogs for us. And he laughs. He goes, "If you've come last in the show ring with your dogs, Tam, it's definitely going to have good hips and elbows." So, <laughs> because ours are smaller. There you go. Is it? I get probably sad. crucified oh, for this. Right, I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry, Golden Retriever. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> I mean. It's, it is, we now um, own this content and we can't take it. Yeah, no, whoops. <laughs> Can we cut that? <laughs> but, you know, it's, our dogs are tiny compared to some of the ones in the show ring and, like, you know. So just... Nala, my three-year-old lab, she is, like, 21 kilos and, like, you can't – if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me, but about this much shorter than my male lab. He's, like, 11 and a half. And she is the – best size and she was raw fed from when I got her my uh border collie the breeder actually raw fed him when he was a puppy too um which is one of the reasons I chose that breeder but she is the best everyone loves her like she was slow to grow and she's just just more compact and 
I can see the difference in her compared to these, you know, obviously we've trained a million Labradors. I've come across a lot of female Labradors and they are too big. Like that's just my personal opinion. I'm not yeah. a Labrador breeder, but far out, man, these dogs get big and they're fat and chonky. I'm not going to talk about anyone specifically. So settle down if you've got a lab with us. <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, uh, they're fat, they're chunky. This thing, mate, she is a unit. You know, like, you know that um, TikTok where it's like, I'm fat. <laughs> yes. You know that one? <laughs> Every time she runs, I just hear that in my head yeah. because she just sends it. Like, and they should. They should. They're she working should. dogs. They're gun dogs. She like, they should, should be healthy and fit. I take her out on a few trail rides on the horses and just let, let her trail along behind and she's a unit man like she's sweet she's just going like so cool I absolutely love seeing that in her that she isn't this you know exaggerated mm. version of what a Labrador has been and should be she just happens to be this kind of really balanced looking type of dog and you look at her and go that's a dog mm. you know you just look at her and go yeah dog like it yeah. makes sense from you know back from the 70s and 80s when we all just had dogs and they were just just a dog like that's a dog they just look like a dog you know they don't look like this big fat polar bear that's mm. cruising around and you know struggling to breathe struggling to move it's so much better it is and they do mature the same i find it's like sad I mean, that that's the, the thing it's been it's um, there's not many breeders in our group. Like we have a really great group of mentors and stuff uh, in the golden world, but there's not many that raw feed. Um, and there's a lot of fear around it, I guess. And mm. like, I was really lucky. My mentor did raw feed for a yeah. long time, ended up going back to kibble because a lot of families, it was just hard to get them to follow through properly with raw feeding. Um, but what I've found, like yes. I've stuck with it and well, I haven't been breeding very, very long, but um, we've stuck with it and our first sort of girls that we've kept have hit maturity now and now they're the same you know they're the same size as the dogs that hit it six months yep. before them that were kibble fed so uh, from a health perspective and um, I know that our specialist who we use would appreciate me saying this but you know his comment every single time we bring our dogs in is like I just wish more dogs looked this way I wish that they were grown this slowly your hips and elbows are phenomenal these dogs yep. are you know super fit um, coming back Ultimately, to the EMS that's, thing. that's the feedback that you want as well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like for me personally, because I'm track. so into animal health. Yeah. Like mm. that's, you know, that's my goal. I'm not, I mm. love showing my dogs and I think it's such a valuable thing to do in terms of confirmation and experiences for them and that. And, um, but I definitely a hundred percent, I'll take my skinny dog over <laughs> anything, yeah. you know, like my, you yeah. know, I just, I think it's beautiful to see, um, you know, these working dogs fit and healthy and growing slowly yeah. because honestly it makes such a difference for them later in life. Like you just don't, you just the don't. General public see a, the general public see a appropriately sized dog and think it's underweight. Yes. Mm. Like we see that yeah. all the time. Absolutely. They're meant they're to like, be oh, skinny. It's too skinny. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, that's how mm. they're meant to, like you can body score them. Yeah. That's how they're meant to look. Yeah. Just every other dog you see is overweight mm -hmm. and all it's exactly the same with humans. All that's doing is shortening their life mm -hmm. and making their life more difficult. And it's for setting them, them up living. for these genetic issues to take hold, you know, like 
hip and elbow dysplasia and stuff like you put too much weight on them too quickly yeah the extra weight uh, I mean exactly. the show rings are coming around I am noticing the the weight thing isn't necessarily 100% what the comments are it's more just that ours are smaller at that age I mean my six-month-old looks way younger than dogs her age you know and all of them and regardless if I bred her or someone else bred her it's down to diet and nutrition for me 100% they're just smaller yeah and that's good for yeah. me. They mature the same size or an appropriate size mm. according to the breed standard. Yeah. But, um, and yeah. they are recognizing that in the ring. They're not really putting up a lot of hugely overweight dogs, but it's more just like, oh, she's a bit tiny for, you know. And, again, it's just what people are used to seeing, I suppose. So um, coming back to the ENS thing. I did a nutrition seminar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just say, I just before we move on from diet, I did a nutrition seminar with um, – Narelle Cook recently so if anyone's um interested in learning more about that she was is phenomenal um and she has um canine pseudocores as well which is all of her like like naturopath she's a naturopath um and so she's got all her naturopath products and things like amazing like I learned so much and I already knew a lot before going in um, but yeah, super cool. So if you look, if you're interested in diet and things that we're talking about now, um, look up Narelle Cook. Yeah, she's next level. I'll also she's put so that in the description so people can find it mm. more easily. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sorry, Tara. Uh, On to. Yeah, with with the ENS thing. Um, when we took our first bred whiskey retriever to um, have a low health test done, the one thing that um, he commented on, which I thought was really really cool, and I attribute down to ENS was um she was obviously like hadn't been in a vet like aside from just vaccinations and we went into a huge big veterinary hospital on the coast um it's a lot happening most dogs are kind of stressed in that situation she's like walked in laid down really chilled and he's gone to listen to her heart and he's gone like it's just super slow she's completely relaxed he goes that's just such a nice, healthy stress mm. response to what's happening. And, like, there's dogs crying out the back, you know, like this is this, she had just turned 12 months old and he was just like, she's just like does not care. He goes, and normally when dogs come in, I listen to their hearts and they're definitely up, you know, like there's definitely just a little bit of excitement and he's like, that's just a really nice, slow, sensible heart rate that a dog yeah. should have. And, like, I would yeah, I was literally take a selfie I would literally take a selfie of that moment and frame it on I my wall. I was so proud of that moment. I would be so honestly. proud. Like, that would, I would be amazing. Be so proud. Yeah. That because the greatest compliment anyone could ever give me would be, "This animal seems quite well adjusted." Like I love when people. That's that's it for me. Like whenever I just took two young brumbies to a show um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were amazingly behaved Aww. and like there's all these domestic horses just cutting sick like they were like <laughs> and i was like holy man like this horse has been out of the wild for 10 months it's three yeah, years old you know like that, it, yeah. it was and it was just such a like you know they're announcing over the speakers and stuff these horses are wild you know stuff like that. they were just perfectly behaved and i was like and they Possible. just the only reason they can do that is because they were ready for it, you know, and I've I got four Brumbies and I chose the two that like we're talking about, like that I think were ready. Um, and it's you know, it's a part of their training. I don't really care about showing and stuff, I care about getting the breed out so people learn about Brumbies. But you know, that is the greatest and I don't need anyone to say it to me in that 
setting but the greatest compliment to me was like looking at these horses and then looking around at these domestic horses that and i'm just going like yeah yeah we're on the so right you track can influence here. an animal like, so much just, like positively or negatively my, I mean, but greatest yeah i mean it's the it's the greatest sign that doesn't lie you know? the biggest yeah. goal the biggest goal is to have a well-adjusted animal and if you're a parent a well-adjusted little human mm-hmm. that's the greatest goal in my opinion my personal opinion Hmm. yeah really cool so do we need to touch on so what should we be doing tomorrow like you know do we i looked for an ens puppyculture program breeder when i was buying my lab mm-hmm. three to four years ago and there was like zero around um yeah has that changed yeah i think it has um definitely the mentors i've had have done puppy culture and then created their own thing out of that um that's how i found out about it through them um, I mean, there's, there's variations of how well it's being done. So I guess, again, that's just questioning and like calling your breeder and actually talking to them about it and asking like, what specifically do you do? Like, it's one thing to have the puppy culture file sitting here. Do you actually do it? You know, like, mm. and then Can they add go through the exercises. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like a lot in there. Like, it's, it. it's full on. And then when you're cleaning like when up you after eight gym, puppies, you know, it's, it's pretty hard like to get everything else done as well. So, um, mm. but you know, I just think I'm not a dog trainer at all. And I've definitely had enough to do with dog trainers and working with animals and whatever that you have a sense of what you're doing, but we bring our dog trainer in. So I'm just going to give him a shameless plug because he's awesome. But, um, John Ortega from man's best friend, he's just amazing. And honestly does everything with our puppies. Like he comes in and he gets me on a program. Like this is what you're doing this week. And, um, you know, he, Mm. he educates our families. So we actually get our families to sit with John for a few hours and he answers all like the general questions. That's amazing in itself. You know, he actually, yeah, this is, this is when our families meet their puppies. So we set up, um, a puppy picnic and Aww. each family gets a blanket and they have to actually do our puppy culture exercises with Shut our puppies. Up. So with that, A, we're Stop saying it. we absolutely do this here. Take our puppies and do it with them. You'll see that they're fine. Um, but then they're also learning about it and they're also like, oh, these are the sort of things we have to expose our puppy to. So, um, And then John kind of oh goes around God. and helps everyone and, and supports them. Wow. So, yeah, that's what? I mean next level. We'll probably go a little bit. Fantastic. Next level. Can I come to? But we also don't breed a lot. So. You're on the podcast, so you can't say no. Can I come to a puppy picnic? <laughs> yes, do it, do it. <laughs> Thank you. It's, honestly, it's probably the best day you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> like it's Sounds just amazing. Amazing. golden retrievers really running like around the post. Great, it's great. Please. Can I it's pretty good. <laughs> I'd like to come to the picnic with the puppies. It's like a little golden day. And, um, you've said yes now and it's being recorded. So. <laughs> you can't take it back. So I'm stuck. It's <laughs> okay. You don't know where I live. <laughs> Please announce your house address. <laughs> oh, 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 man, I'm coming. <laughs> that is amazing. I've never heard any breeder talk about that before. Is that? Are other breeders doing that tomorrow? I mean, I hope they Yeah, do they you know are. of anyone else that does that know. to that degree? Everyone's, everyone's pretty protective no. over, their, over their program and what they do, um, I find. But, yeah, I mean, everyone I does. I wondered that. Yeah, I wondered know. that. I don't know. I don't think – we go pretty hardcore here. I'm not going to lie. We're maybe a bit intense. But um, you. we only breed, you know, one or two litters a year at this point. 
and I've got a lot of time. I've set it up that I have a lot of time to do all this kind of stuff with our dogs when we have litters. So, yeah, I mean, it's full time. That's amazing. Yes. I've heard of breeders like um, where they try and match up their bitches' uh, seasons and whelping and stuff so they get like three litters at once, which sort of sounds like it would be easier because you could just take, you know, that amount of time off work. (laughs) Yeah. And handle like 30 puppies. Yeah. But is it like, or I guess like, unless I guess if you're just working from home, I don't know. It sounds no, like a massive and, time commitment. Yeah. And this is how you pick your breeder sometimes, you know, like how much time are you spending with them? Are you actually committing yourself yeah. to these puppies? Because if you're not there all the time, then you're not doing any of this stuff with them. Like it's, it's every day. I mean, I, I tend to take probably the first four to five weeks off work, like, I'm lucky my clinic's on the property as well, so I can kind of run down, switch with my husband, he can look after them, you know. Um, But then I I run my own schedule too with my clients and they know when I have puppies coming, half of them come up here and see them and help me socialise them and it's great. But, um, yeah, I've set set my business up to allow for breeding. You definitely don't have a breeding business, if that makes sense. Mm. You don't, yeah, you need to work. Okay. <laughs> like, you need to work to, mm, to yeah. raise a really good litter because it's, yeah, if you put down what you earn an hour, it's, you're losing money. $6. What about um, guardian dogs? I have come across a few people that are saying to me that they've got guardian dogs and they themselves are allowed to whelp the litters at their house. Oh, I haven't heard much about that. Actually blowing my mind because I've learned a little bit about breeding. I've kept my Labrador is mains registered and entire just in case. I really regret it. I've got amazing dogs and I regretted not being able to pass them on. But I haven't decided if I'm going to breed or not. I haven't scored or anything like that. So I've kind of been keeping an ear to the ground a little bit. Everything I learn, I'm like, obviously, I'm never going to do it because it sounds very difficult. But I would be so overwhelmed with the responsibility. Like surely, surely this is an expert role. Is that, are we letting guardian dogs, well, puppies in pe- families' homes? What are we doing? What's I mean, I'm not. No. What's going on here? No ways. Like, that's a, that's unless, a huge amount of. They've had experience, like, but no. Like, trust that you have to put into someone. I waited three to four years to find a mentor Mm. and get me like allow me to have a breeding dog like breeders don't just give away Mm. you know because hey these are your lines we're also trying to stop exactly we're trying to stop people that don't know what they're doing so I mean I I can't speak for other breeds um the golden retriever crew are awesome and it just took me a little bit to find this group of people but the people that are mentoring us have 50 years of experience behind them. Like they've imported wow. dogs from overseas. They know every genetic issue in these dogs. But then moreover, they mentor us to the point that like we have a group called the Golden Virgins and it's for any of us that haven't bred before. <laughs> so <laughs> we're like just there to support each other. Cool. <laughs> and it's really good <laughs> because you, you learn a lot. Yeah, so the Golden Virgins is, yeah, it's yeah, that's where it's at. Um, cool. but yeah, <laughs> like it's pretty daunting. It's pretty daunting going into breeding and it's not something you take lightly at all because so you're literally holding these lives in your hand and you have to know, I mean, like you have to tube feed them sometimes, you know, mm. like you're whelping yeah. 
like you're on your own. Like we don't have vets here with us when we're doing right. that, you know, like you got to know what the green discharge is when that happens and how quick to get mm. them to a vet. And, you know, yeah, like we have a good team oh, yeah. of vets behind us, luckily. Um, but, you know, like I just think you need those mentors and you need to spend a lot of time making very sure this is what you want to do because a lot goes wrong despite your best efforts. You know, you, and it goes wrong quickly. It goes wrong really quickly. You can lose your dog. You can lose your puppies. You know, and then you've got to be ready. You've got to be committed to this 110%. And there's a lot, like you've got to research everything before you go into breeding. You don't just like, hey, let's see what happens, you know, like, no, nah. that's irresponsible. No. Nah. So I wouldn't, I, no. That's the thing, yeah, that's what I thought too. I home do that, no. This is what I'm thinking. So the other thing is like when you're talking about like, you know, organizing your whole life and schedule around these dogs and things like that, you know, when they have their litters and stuff, is a guardian home expected to do that? You know, like it's, I just think that's, it's a phenomenal amount of responsibility. I just can't see how, yeah. Yeah. Look, this Brumby that I got, um, she was in foal, which I didn't know, um, when I do it and did my Brumby camp and she, I realized when, like, I got her home because you start to put a bit of, you know, they settle down a bit and the foal starts moving around again and stuff. So I get her home and she's, you know, Horses are in gestation for 11 months. She was nine months pregnant. I found out by the time she fell down. But I did a pregnancy test with her. Man, this horse is wild. It's great. It's such a best time of my life. But I was freaking out because falling down a horse is a big deal. I've done it you and I will never do it again. <laughs> you can lose the foal. No, it's horrendous. You lose them both. It's a huge, big deal. I had cameras set up everywhere in this flipping paddock of this horse. I hired an equine midwife, which isn't a real thing. I just harassed <laughs> a very <laughs> acquaintance of mine who was an, a breeder and was like, I'll just pay you money and you Need to just deal with it. mostly support me emotionally. And, you know, and she and I would be texting and I'd be so she like tapped into the cameras you know how you have cameras and another person can log in she'd be at work and i'd be like what's this what's going on here she's looking at her stomach now she's yawning what's mm-hmm. she doing what's gonna and they like these mares mate they have these like false labor things and stuff like that. <laughs> hectic she starts 6 30 at night cleaning out the paddock all good hey winter how you going have a good day sweet ass mate and just clean the paddock nothing weird come out at something go back inside check cameras there's like water droplets on the camera and I can't because it's spring raining. Mares fall in the rain. And I'm like, I'm just going to go clean the camera because it's going to really piss me off. So I was setting my alarm this for months, like not months, weeks, at like hourly or half hourly intervals during the night to wake me up to check the flipping cameras to look at this mare. I was in love with this bloody horse, right? Had it for like a month. So... It was like a movie. She's, you know, she's wild. It's the whole thing. So <laughs> I'm checking the cameras. Go, I, I go out to clean the camera because I can't. She's found the one blind spot in the paddock, obviously. She's a legend. Go and clean it. Mate, this chick, I'm looking at her and I'm like, what are you doing, bro? She's looking at her tummy. I'm like, what's this about? Then bang, waters break. Oh. I was like, ah! <laughs> it's like 7.30 at night. <laughs> ah! I'm FaceTime. FaceTiming with the midwife. What do I do? I had to pull this bloody thing out of its mother. She was getting lucky I had a midwife, mate. And I and everyone's like, 
you're so extra. Like a bit like you're saying tomorrow, like we're a bit bloody extreme out here, mate. I'm so extra about all this sort of stuff. Lucky because she was on FaceTime. So the mayor's she's broken and you're waiting for like the right presentation of the foal. And it's all this. I spent so much time researching it. And even my vet was like, look, even if we were right there, like a lot of stuff that happens during foaling, you can't really save or fix. So if it's a red bag, cut it, you know, blah, 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 blah. I had this whole foaling kit organized. It was a whole thing. And she's down and up and down and up and she's spinning. And my midwife's like, you're going to have to pull on this next contraction. Next contraction, I'm pulling. No, no. I'm like, oh, you have to really pull. Like, and so she had next contraction. I pulled this thing out of her just to the shoulders and had to break the bag, clear his nostrils, sit him up and then just left him. And she delivered the rest of him and did the rest of, you know, I didn't interfere anymore. But if I didn't have an expert on FaceTime watching the birth going, you know, now is, you need to pull now. She's getting stressed. And this baby came out of this, she Brumbies are quite little. She'd come home and I'd been feeding her. And so I think the foal bloody grew inside. <laughs> Couldn't get a thing out. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so the foals are, he's already at, he's two years old now. He's a giant. Her name's Winter and his name's Thunderstorm. Very but, cool. um, um, you know, amazing, massive, beautiful animal that she fold down. And people go, oh, put her in foal again. I'm like, I'd rather stop <laughs> myself in the eye with a hot branding iron didn't go through that yeah any <laughs> fall ever again yeah. it was so stressful Sounds so intense. Like I, yeah. and, and falling season starts in september and and equine boots where everyone complains about falling season we've got um cap alarms on halters of mares so when they lie down it alarms you and you run out and you're checking on them you and and really professional equine breeders say you must be there for the foaling if you are not there you're not being a responsible breeder lots of people say leave them alone yeah you'll wake up in the morning it'll be in the paddock they'll wake up it'll just be there you know uh, nah that's it's like maybe but the one instance it doesn't and you lose every you know it's not worth it like maybe or you get a red bag and you could have just slipped it and pulled the baby out and then they'd be fine just well, if you care, you know, then you'd I want just... to take that extra step, you know, if you care about the welfare. So stressful. Mm. Oh, look, I mean, we like I've just had a little go home a couple of weeks ago and for the first few days I was so tired because we literally stay up with our puppies 24 hours a day um, for at least the first week, mostly because you're you're weighing them every day, like you're checking all their vitals all the time. And then you're also making sure that, especially with golden retrievers, the mother doesn't squash them. So uh, yeah, okay. especially our girl who has this awesome habit of just like lying on her hold at her puppies and they're all screaming cool. under her and she's just like, I don't care, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> These are very noisy puppies. Yes. Like something's hush, happening. Hush. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I ended up eventually one night just going like, I've got to get some sleep, but she was just being really clumsy. So I've climbed in the whelping box and just had my arms on her and the puppies between us. And we've fallen asleep together like that and, like, managed to get oh, wow. a few hours. Like, it's hell. It's hell for the first two weeks. Like, you're literally trying to keep puppies alive and yourself alive because, yeah, it's just no. People don't think about that when they're, they're, you know, looking for a puppy and they're speaking to a breeder. Like, that's, no. that's not the stuff that they see. 
And I'll tell you what, like those about puppies, the price of the dog too. Oh yeah, hell, come and talk to me. Like, <laughs> mm. Honestly. And then those puppies come out and they're like little rats. They're not hedgehogs, they're little rats. And <laughs> <laughs> they, look, they probably actually look like that. They're just not, some of them are blue. That's not good. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like these, you do need to be there. You know, they come out, they're not breathing. You've got to see you are them puppies. You're that person. So there's a lot, but you fall and in love with them. There's a lot of so first quick. aid, I, I feel, that can happen at that time. Oh, there's more that can go wrong than go right at that point. You know, and like literally every day matters, every minute matters with them. You know, like if they're not putting on weight, that's like a whole thing. Like we weigh them every day and like the amount of stress that comes with a puppy not putting weight on the way that they should, it's... It's like full on, you know. You drink a lot of wine in the first two weeks. Because... <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. Stressful, yeah. A it lot. is stressful. We would be. You fall in love with them um, very quickly and so then when things do go wrong, like it absolutely breaks mm, your heart, you know. Mm, like Yeah, it would. You just get so That's attached. That's my other concern. And... I think I would keep a litter of puppies too if I bred them. Mm. I'd be like, I'd find it really hard to part weeks. with them. Yeah. Like everybody says this and like I do, I always have a cry when the first one goes home. But um, – you're cleaning up so much poo in that last week mm-hmm. and like these puppies are just so ready for these families like they're just they need so, so much more from you than you can give yeah. like I had eight puppies every night like sitting I taught them all to band which is part of like our socialization program they basically sit when they want something and I've got all these eight puppies oh. in the kitchen with me waiting for dinner and they're all trying to be really good but they just lose it <laughs> and they're all crying and I'm like Oh my god! <laughs> okay, That's you cool. all need to just go home now. <laughs> like you just you go feel like this next this part of parent your little dog. Like way <laughs> too many children. It's yeah, it's it's a lot. Like a bunch of twenty-one-year-old humans that haven't moved out yet. Yeah, You're like I really love you, but you I love you so much. Came out you, like, to move out. <laughs> you need to go. <laughs> I had this um, bearded collie, Isabel. She's actually she's in the. If anyone's watching YouTube, she's in, that's her ashes in that frame there. She died of some kind of cancer when she was seven. But um, when she was a baby, I contacted the breeder and she was like, yeah, I've got all these puppies, you know, like 30 puppies. I was like, oh man, that's lucky because they're rare. And I was like, oh, that was good timing. And it was, but that by the time, I think I was like six weeks, I was going to go and meet them. And I went and met them. And by the time, like she had all these girls and all these boys and I was like, yeah, great. I'm going to, you know, like this is ages ago. This has been nine years ago. I'm thinking I'm going to like look at the temperaments. <laughs> I have no idea, like no idea. And I'm like, great. I'm going to go look at them. And I rock up and she's like, got hardly any puppies. And I was like, she's like, well, that's the girl, you know, because I had a boy Labrador. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get a girl. Um, and there's some boys. And I was like, huh. there was like five girls and six boys. And I was like, oh, I thought I I thought I was getting quick, you know, like, oh, okay. Whatever. Like, Anyway, I play with puppies for a bit, whatever, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, no idea. This one seems great, you know, which was the girl. Um, when I went and picked them up, she didn't let me take them until they were t- 10 weeks, some for some vaccination issue or something like that, which I wouldn't agree to now. But um, back then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I go there. When I took, I had the puppy and paid the money and done all the paperwork and everything, she's like, yeah, all the other ones died from worms. <laughs> and I was like, fuck! <laughs> Like, you know, so when I'd rocked up and half the puppies had been wiped out, 
I just thought, oh, someone else has chosen the other oh, puppies. Oh, no. Like, you know, it must yeah. be not up for wow. the thing. You know, it wasn't until I picked him up four weeks later, so I've got all these photos of me with this little puppy and I'm already in love with it and I'm hopeless like that, mate. Like no one um, shouldn't be choosing puppies anywhere. But, you know, I just was like, I've, you know, it's already mm, your dog, yeah. you know, and so you're like, oh, okay, bye-bye, lady. And then... Like I had problems with that dog. And then I eventually, I used to see this chiropractic vet. Oh, Flip, what's his name? He was on the, in Ormo. Um, he's Rowan, Dr. Rowan. Kilmartin. Rowan yeah. Kilmartin. He's retired now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I was speaking to him and he's like, you know, doing the history of his dog. So I said, she wasn't growing and, you know, so, and I was like, oh, well, the other puppy died from worms. And he was like, oh. Well, as a very young dog, she might have had a worm burden and it might have scarred her stomach and, you know, that, you know, that's, you know, she might not be taking in nutrients properly and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I'll just guess I'll feed her more or something. It's like a whole thing. So ago. many lessons. It's a whole thing, man. And it's like nowadays, like I, I don't know what I would, I can't speak to what I do some pretty stupid shit still around animals, but you know, I get pretty oh, emotionally yes. involved. So oh, do what yeah. I say and not what it's I do, hard. everybody. It's, hard <laughs> it's so hard, but you know, there's so much that goes into this early work and the cost of these puppies and things like that. And it is so hard not to get emotionally involved guys. That's why I think it's a really good idea to be talking about breeders and breeding programs before you buy, you're mm. buying a puppy, before you meet a puppy, before you don't look at any puppies, don't look at any photos of puppies. Don't go meet any puppies. Really look at your breeder and your program first. So at least if you get that part right, you, you know, you're a lot of the way there. And if you happen to get there and make an emotional decision, at least this is a dog that's most likely going to be healthy and very well cared for. And it's given the best start in life. Please do that first. I was doing stupid stuff. Like this is the only bearded collie breeder in X area. Mm, so it's gotta be her. I will, yeah. yeah. It's going to be her. Cause I'm not going, yeah. you know, to wherever, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, are there any other telling questions that you would say, Tam, that people should be asking that we haven't sort of covered? Is there anything else that you reckon is Um, a definite question? I mean, obviously, your health testing, and it's more making sure that the breeder actually knows what they're talking about when. Um, you know that you and, and you as an owner you need to come like equipped with knowing the breed standard you've got to know like you know if you're buying a golden retriever like they need to be a really biddable dog like they need a labradors mm. you know like they need to have that temperament so um, yeah you need to sort of come at your breeder with questions like you know a, are you registered and you can look them up like you can ask for a breeder number it's not offensive to a breeder I give my number out all the time the only the only issues that you might run into is if you're asking a lot of questions and you haven't really shown much commitment in the sense that hey if you are the sort of breeder I want to use um you know I really need to have these conversations with you and you're sort of not committing to the puppy like okay if everything's if everything falls into place we are going to buy a puppy from you reason being is that we get a lot of scam artists coming and they ask for our numbers they ask for where we live they ask for a lot of photographs uh, and so yeah. we're a little bit oh, okay. then they go and create yeah. like a whole pro like a whole thing pretending they're the breeder and then they scam people with all your stuff 
So you and need they're like puppy mill puppies. Well, they don't even have puppies. They're just taking people's money. Well, not even puppies. Using all of your details. So that we're a little bit sketchy and you might find breeders like a little bit standoffish. But if you explain why you're asking, hey, we want to be using this dog for this reason or we've done our research, we're just trying to be really informed breed, um, owners, you know, can you answer these questions? You'll you'll get a long way. And just calling a breeder and chatting to them, like just talk, you know, all this back and forth on email or messages like you just can't gauge it. Like I like to ring the puppy families and then have a discussion. Because um, you're, you, you're vetting people too. So being able to oh, chat yeah, and get 100%. a sense It's worse than a, worse than a job yeah, interview. Like, it goes yeah. both ways. I'm not giving I, anyone I a puppy. I'm going to trust you. Like I've got to trust that you're going to mm. take this baby from me and do the right thing. I can't imagine how you've got time for that. So oh, you do. You make I don't time. know how you've got time and patience for that tomorrow. I mean, yeah, people can be. We don't even have a phone number on our Therapy Dogs Australia website. Well, I just it wouldn't stop ringing. Yeah, that's why I don't have one. Everyone yeah. emails, they're like, where's the phone number? And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Keep uh, looking. Yeah, I mean, you know, you just, you do it, don't you? You love them. Got to do it. So you love the breed. Yeah, and when you're, when you're giving them. away yeah. parts of something that you've had such a big hand in breeding and, you know, like yeah. they're essentially extensions of yourself in a way. So, um, yeah, just I think don't feel like you can't ask a breeder anything. Ask. Um Definitely talk about their health. Definitely ask, you know, what kind of training have your adult dogs done? What conditions are they living in? Like, do they live in the house with you or do you have, like, a set-up kennel? A lot of bigger breeders are going to have kennels and that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, as long as those dogs are being are being socialised properly, they're getting out and about, they're not just being locked up constantly. Um, you know, a lot of breeders won't really let you into their homes to see the puppies until you've probably paid a deposit. Um, and you know it's refundable if you mm. if you're not happy with what you're yeah. seeing. Like, yeah. But you've got to show the commitment too with a lot of breeders now, and really good breeders will expect that of you. So, yeah. We've heard before too. You can like ask to FaceTime. Oh yeah, we've done it as well. Yep. Yeah. So with the breeders, uh, especially if you're yeah, interstate, so you can kind of see the setup before you like drive to wherever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I sold a couple of puppies to Sydney this time around. Um, and we did FaceTime and they actually ended up flying because we do the, the day with our trainer. They ended up, all the puppy families flew from wherever they were, most of them Sydney. Um, yeah, just for the day. I would fly for a puppy picnic. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. But we, yeah, I mean, I sat in the whelping box. I was like, here's mom. Obviously, dad's not with us. We use uh, stud dogs from all around the place. Um, I mean, Instagram's another one, like following breeders on Instagram or on their Facebook or... What's your Instagram tomorrow? Uh, Whiskey River Retrievers. So Whiskey River is one word underscore. We are following. Um, and also... But like watch what they probably... do, you know. Do they go out showing? That's another big thing. Like do you compete your dogs or show your dogs yeah. or do anything? Because the thing with the show ring, even though it can be, you know, a little bit subjective, you're still taking your dog and you're going and you're putting them up against other dogs in confirmation so that you're getting out there and saying these are the best of the best. Like these dogs are well-bred, you know, we're bringing them out to really prove ourselves here. Um, and, I mean, just even just the fact of getting a dog to a dog show, there's a lot of stuff happening around for those dogs. So, if, you know, if your breeders are actually committing yeah, themselves exposure. to doing that, it just shows a real love and passion for the breed, shows um, – you know, or agility or whatever, like, you know, if you're into sporting, if you're into mm. gun dog things. But it's just basically, oh uh, like, what are you doing? You know, I'm just chilling oh. there with, 
Oh yeah, that's actually Puppy awesome. Picnic. That was Happy the Puppy Picnic. picnic. If you're yeah. on YouTube, I'm just sewing my phone up to the screen <laughs> and we're looking at Puppy. There is actually all these blankets. That is a picnic. And puppy yeah. families. And I tell you what, you get to know how people are with the puppies because they're having to do just you know, we're making them like go on the scary bridge, like we make mm. the dogs walk on different surfaces. Like we're putting the puppies under a bit of pressure and the families. And it's interesting to see what families have got it all together and which ones are like they've lost the puppy down the park and they're running, you know, and you're like, okay, you're going to need a lot more support. Like, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you, you need me. <laughs> you know, all the ones that are they're just like, all over it. Yeah, like, puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look the so, same. Oh my god, hilarious! Uh, oh, it's yeah, so but I just think the biggest thing is is get that relationship with the breeder and chat to them, and you know, don't come in hard with the how much do you charge question first because I think that that's probably not. It's not probably the way to quite the telling as well, you know. Unless you're gonna say, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, having the argument about price, that's always bad because, it, I mean, you can hear what we go through um, mm. and the amount of money we spend outside of just the litter. Like all my dogs see a dog trainer, they go to the vet when they need it. They're all pet insurance. I've got six dogs on pet insurance. Like it's insane, you know, like the amount of oh, money mate. you're spending. I've got three dogs, on, three dogs and a cat on pet insurance. Lord help me. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So you've got to be respectful of just that process too because there's this real stigma at the moment that breeders just do it for the money and that's just so not true. It's really not. We wouldn't put ourselves through this. It's not worth the money. You've got to do it mm. because you love it. You know, you've got to do it because this breed is important to you. Good dogs are important to you. You know, that's that's got to be the focus. And you'll tell pretty quick when you're chatting to a breeder whether their heart's in it or not, you know. Most most of the time a breeder that's not willing to answer your questions is a bit offhand with you is, you know, sort of, ah, oh, whatever, just come and get a puppy. Like, don't do it. Just don't. Yeah, red flag. And if they're not, yeah. yeah. And look, yeah. all of our health records, if you've got pedigree dogs, all your health records are on canine data. So you can actually go and say to the breeder, hey, what's the registered name of the dam and the sire? And you can go and look it up. Like you can tell what their hip scores oh. are and that this breed yeah. is doing yeah, everything. Nice. Like, there's nothing to hide. So no breeder should be trying to hide anything. Mm. But protecting protecting their puppies and protecting themselves against, you know, people that are obviously not serious or using you as a bit of a scam, that's a different situation. So just be mindful of that, that if, you know, a breed is being a little bit cagey, it's but everything else seems fine. It's probably just that, you know, they're just being a little bit cautious. There's so many about cute photos on your Instagram. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we've act- I've got the them Instagram behind guys. me. That was my very first litter. Oh. And they're oh all sitting in the back of our Polaris Baby. on the farm. So we take them up to the dam and they see all different things. And, you know, they're like, so they know good. cows and all these. Mm. Yeah, there's a cow licking a dog. Uh, yeah, so that's Aussie. There's, that's, uh, there's a that's our main. That's There's our a cow looking a dog here. It's bloody amazing. She loves um, animals. I enjoyed that. So, Whiskey River underscore Retrievers got a website as well, and I've noticed just through scrolling through here now, you've got um, looks like some blogs on or info sort of things on your page about choosing a breeder as well. Mm, yeah, we do a little bit of educational stuff on there. Got a too. little bit of education and stuff yeah, on there as well. So jump on there, guys. Go and have a look. You know, there's obviously so much for, that we could cover. We've, you know, been with Tamara for over an hour now, so we'll 
wrap this up, but um, we might um, come back and talk to you again tomorrow and yeah. talk a, bit, a little bit more about the next stage. I feel like there's, yeah, puppies. definitely there's a, lot a need for it. A so that's episode. Austin and the cow's name's that Patricia. Is, that is Max. so cute. <laughs> and, like, this is not what a What a moment Austin. to capture. Oh, my gosh. Austin, from when she was a tiny puppy, just loves other animals. We literally have a video of her. I don't know if it's on my Instagram, but um, the farrier came out and I wasn't here and Ozzy had come down to the shed or whatever, and she's lying on her back and the horse is just licking her tummy and just licking her everywhere. And she's just lying there like, oh, I'm just fine. She's actually not one we bred. That was our foundation goal we got from um, our mentors. And they do a really good job as well. So, I mean, clearly this dog's like super well-adjusted. So, yeah, it's a a fun environment for them to grow up in for sure. Thank you so much, Thank you. That was fascinating. You're going to be dreaming about it tonight, just processing all this information. Absolutely fascinating. I could talk for days on this, honestly. So cool. So, so cool. I think we'll have another chat. We'll have to come back. Yeah, this is a huge area for mm. us tomorrow and we don't really know that much about it you know we're not breeders so um we'd love to you know talk more and pick your brain and things like that and help puppy parents to prepare but i think this chat today has been a really really good way to start getting people thinking about you don't know what you don't know and so look at all this stuff you didn't know let's start thinking about that stuff and what else do you not know and who can you be in contact with to start wrapping your head around this stuff so I think it's a it's a really great conversation starter and yeah please come back and yes, chat with us definitely. again and for anyone that wants to get for... no you go ahead you go to... sorry tam i was just oh, gonna I was say, just gonna say for anyone <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna say for anyone that wants to get in touch with you tam for any extra information i'll i'll list your um your website uh, in the description. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> what were you I gonna was going to say, say <laughs> go on to the Puppy Culture website because there's heaps of free stuff for um, yes. families. Like you don't have to be a breeder to do it. From weeks, I think she says from like weeks, she sends them home at 10 weeks, but you go from week eight all the way through. She gives you exercises to do with your puppy when they come home. And there's like videos. There's a whole thing on like she did a whole free thing when COVID hit on how to socialize your puppy and regardless of COVID, watch oh, it. Like, so good. It, oh, awesome. It's so good and it's all free. So hop on there. And all right. Well, I'll put the link in the description yeah, that, for that too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's well worth it. See you later, ladies. So welcome, guys. It was lovely to chat to you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in studying with Therapy Dogs Australia or you have a few more questions before deciding, please get in touch with us by emailing courses at therapydog.com.au or visiting our website at www.therapydog.com.au for more information and FAQs.